0: Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress less camping.
1: Welcome to the campfire.
0: I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part
1: time in a small trailer
0: which might be getting bigger
1: (laughs) looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips tricks and discounts yeah
0: more uh, i said more on but more on the trailer later but uh, we yeah we have a story to tell and and we're going to save it
1: for next week i know that's the time to tell it right
0: i know it's frustrating to have to wait it's like kid on christmas but that's the way that it
1: and how we feel yeah, that's exactly right
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: so the big shows the florida show and the quartzite show have come and gone they yep. both happened in january
0: yeah they did and one of the funny things we did not go to the tampa show as you know probably one of few content creators who weren't <laughs> <Right>? there.
1: <laughs> well, there were a few in Quartzsite. That's true. you got and, to hear from all of them. And
0: I thought they were the most awesome ones well.
1: <laughs>
0: only because they were there with us in Quartzsite. Right. But Gail Marsh, who is a writer for RVTravel.com and a friend of mine, was at the Tampa show and wrote a really interesting article over on RVtravel.com about things she overheard at the Tampa show, including some ridiculous stuff.
1: Yeah. But some very valid observations Uh about RVs and shows and all that stuff. So we'll put a link to that and you can go read the things that we read and the things that Gail heard.
0: Among the things that she noted was people were commenting about pricing yeah she also said that there's a lot of sticker shock at the show and anybody who had shopped for an rv like two years ago and then might go and look at the same one today or something similar 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 where the heck did i
1: get that word i'm not sure what similar is (laughs) i'm not either
0: but it's similar (laughs) to similar might say oh my gosh becky look at that price it is so big Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So also, comments included things like, I I don't know if I can afford an RV with these prices. And I wonder, I mean, heck, there are some B vans, those, you know, class B, they're basically vans that are over $200,000 now. Yeah. I mean, how can you live in a van down by the river when it costs more (laughs) More than than a house? house?
1: (laughs) Anyway, so I think it i think it kind of accurately reflects the different viewpoints of a lot, you know, bringing a whole bunch of people together at one time. And there's going to be people who say A is better and there's going to be people who say B is better. And we're not here to argue whether A or B is better. No. It's okay, just interesting I... to note that some people say B is dumb and A is the only way to go.
0: Yeah. Okay, so my favorite thing, though, i gotta, I got to share this. If you haven't been to an RV show recently, there are a lot of people with a lot of pets, predominantly dogs. <laughs> and what we saw a few years ago at the Quartzite show, which made our jaws kind of drop a little bit, and what I'm seeing more and more is dogs in strollers.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just funny to me. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's cool because the dog doesn't get its paws stepped on, which is always a big plus. But it just... Makes me laugh a little bit. There seem to
1: be so many now. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: very common, including big dogs. But one of the things... Okay, so one time...
1: Yeah, one time we even saw a donkey at the burro at the RV show. Yeah, that's true, (laughs) but
0: there's something even funnier to me that Gail saw. Yeah. Although maybe not uh, as funny as a motorized camel.
1: Maybe not as funny as a motorized camel. (laughs) (laughs) That was
0: pretty funny.
1: So check out Gail's article and you'll find out what she saw was pretty funny. The big show bluster is come and gone for 2022 but there's still a bunch well, of there RV will shows. still be a lot of RV shows and you can check those out on our website
0: yes uh, stressiscamping.com we have a complete listing of rv shows across the country there are some still being canceled so you know keep checking, yeah, back, keep checking make sure. before
1: you before you get on the road actually check to make sure
0: yeah don't just go and go Speaking of RV shows and price increases, RV Trip Wizard, which is one of the well, it is our favorite RV navigation and planning apps. Yes. We have a deal, as you well know, but that deal is going to be different because their price is going
1: up. Right. So RV Life is the umbrella for RV Trip Wizard and RV Life apps, and they are having a price increase on March 1st. But Let us tell you why we like RV Trip Wizard so much and why you should get in there and buy.
0: Yes, uh, before March 1st.
1: Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground?
0: Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road.
1: Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree?
0: Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard.
1: Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey.
0: You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops and... Even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more.
1: Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble.
0: If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now Now that's Stressless camping. Camping. we had a really pleasant conversation with subaru leave no trace ambassador lauren so we have that here for you this week and they really do make a good point so Without any further ado. Here's or Lauren. I don't.
1: Today we're very excited and privileged to be able to be speaking with Lauren from the Leave No Trace organization and Lauren has kind of a long title so I'm going to ask her to tell us her title. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yes, my title is a little bit of a mouthful. I am
2: one of two members of a Subaru Leave No Trace traveling team.
1: Okay, (laughs) that's very cool. And that pretty much tells the whole story, though. You travel as a team in a Subaru teaching the concept of Leave No Trace.
2: Yes, absolutely. So I have a really cool job where, like you said, you know, so well, my job is to travel all over the U.S. in a really fun Subaru with my other team member, Richard. And as we're traveling, we're able to put on a lot of really great outreach programs, awareness workshops, trainer courses, um, be a part of other outreach programs in a lot of different areas all over the country. So we travel about 250 days out of the
1: year, and we're camping those days as well. And so do you have a home base when you're not doing those travels? It can depend where we are. <laughs> so oh, when okay. we're
2: traveling, um, it depends. Like if we're in an area where maybe we have friends or family, and maybe we have a, a few days of off-road time, then we'll be able to visit people. But really our, our Subaru is kind of our home away from home. So
0: Okay, great. Now let's talk about the Leave No Trace organization. We have talked about Leave No Trace, you know, generically in the past. Tell us more about the Leave No Trace organization, if you would.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So back in the 70s and 80s, there was the Leave No Trace or the No Trace program that was formed for wilderness and backcountry users. And with that came the Leave No Trace land ethic pamphlets that were used to help share different information about how people can you know, recreate more responsibly when they're outdoors. And then in the 1990s, 1990, 1993, there was the Outdoor Recreation Summit. And at that summit is where a lot of NGOs and members of the outdoor recreation industry, they all came together. And that's when the Leave No Trace organization itself was formed. And then in 1994 is when the organization actually became incorporated and then they entered into an agreement with the U.S. National Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to work with Leave No Trace together. And since then, Leave No Trace has been able to partner with Subaru uh, to put education teams on the road. And that's part of what I do. Leave No Trace has created programs, awareness workshops, online material for not just backcountry users, but front country users as well. We've created curriculum and activities for youth like Bigfoot's Playbook and the (laughs) PEAK program. Yeah, Bigfoot's Playbook is definitely a fun one that we (laughs) use often. And the PEAK program, which is promoting environmental awareness in kids. We've been able to have Leave No Trace advocates in almost every state in the United States We've been able to start new programs um, such as our hotspot program that helps Areas struggling with specific human-related impacts that want to know how they can implement Leave No Trace solutions in their particular area and in that capacity involving community members and volunteer groups as well. And and so much more. I could go on and on about all the work that Leave No Trace (laughs) has been able to do.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the website and it just, it never occurred to me all the different paths that that kind of an organization can take.
2: Yeah, it's definitely We try to reach a lot of different audiences. And because we know there's so many different kinds of users that are in these outdoors or different people who have different interests related to reducing impact. So we do take an approach of, of trying to reach having multiple strategies for reaching people. So that can look like using partnerships with retailers and manufacturers and other NGOs, local nonprofits, community volunteer groups, having signage and education in parks and on public lands that talk about things like sensitive vegetation in the area, why it's important to pack out your trash, different kinds of wildlife to be aware of working with volunteers and educators to teach the Leave No Trace program, such as, like I mentioned, state advocates or even our master educators. We also have on-site and online training with our trainer courses to help people learn the different ways that they can reduce their environmental impact outdoors, working with youth and clubs and camps. We also have outlets with media such as videos, blogs, and definitely social media is definitely really big for us with social media posts, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. And of course, our our website, like you mentioned, has a lot of really great information, including online education material and of course, traveling team members like myself. So we kind of have our fingers in a a lot of different projects because we want to make sure we can reach as many different people in as many different ways as possible.
1: Awesome. So how do you and Richard decide where to go, is there a schedule of where team members will be? Or do you drive around till you see litter and stop and start educating people? Or?
2: <laughs> wow, we would be definitely going to a lot of different places if, <laughs> if that was, you know, how we can yeah. get We are one of three different teams, traveling teams right now. And we have a fantastic manager who does a lot of outreach and helps coordinate with different organizations, different groups, different communities about how we can get on the road. And um, as she reaches out to them or sometimes they'll reach out to her directly, letting her know that they're interested in having a Leave No Trace team uh, meet with them either for an awareness workshop or a trainer course, or maybe even to be involved in an outreach event like a festival. And then she will kind of see which teams will be in that area around that time. And then she'll let us know, hey, there's a program or an outreach event or an organization that would love to have a Subaru Leave No Trace team in South Dakota. I know you guys will probably be like two states away, but you guys have a gap during this period. How do you feel? about that. And and then of course, most of the time we're like, yeah, of course, unless maybe there's an event that we already had planned or, but most of the time it definitely works out perfectly. And after she is finished coordinating, she'll add that to our schedule for us. And then we'll start basically doing the planning of what we need to do to get from whatever point A is (laughs) to that point B (laughs) travel-wise. And that's how a lot of our programs are scheduled. Um, There's definitely opportunities for us as well. If there is an organization or an event that we're really interested in and we see that we have some free time on our schedule, coordinating with them, coordinating with our manager and that group as well to see if it'd be possible for us to, to work with them. And sometimes that means working in person. Sometimes it might be virtual as well. We definitely don't want distance to keep us from sharing Leave No Trace principles or sure minimum impact practices. And especially now in the age of COVID, virtual has definitely become one of the top ways to interact with people far away and in a safe way. So we've definitely right. been utilizing that a lot more too.
1: Okay.
0: Do you ever address groups of RVers like maybe FMCA convention or scapees or any of those? You know, like bunches of RV folks?
2: As of now, I know that our team has it. It might be something that is currently in the works. Our manager, Selena, she's fantastic. She's usually juggling like six or seven projects at a time. And sometimes that requires a lot of outreach, a lot of follow-up. I definitely think that it's a question that we get asked a lot is um, how do you make the time to reach out to RVers about different ways to reduce outdoor impacts as well? Um, Especially right now, I think since 2020, there's been a huge spike in RV purchases and more people hitting the road in RVs. A lot of people might be new to that too and might not know, you know, the best ways to recreate in a responsible way with an RV. So I definitely think it's something worth us Looking into it and reaching out to those groups, like you mentioned, a bit more.
0: Yeah, they estimate close to 600,000 new RVs will be sold this year, many to people who in the past had done sort of traditional vacations, cruises, or hotels, mm-hmm. and now are choosing RVs for obvious reasons. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> right, right.
0: There is a lot of impact on public lands with people you know, leaving behind their trash or, or doing other things. And so I, I would love to see you guys speak more to the new RVers out there, or even the longtime RVers, <laughs> and help encourage us to keep these beautiful places open, because some of them are shutting down due to abuse and lack of management resources to, to clean them up.
2: Right, absolutely. and And I think like you mentioned, some people might be like new to RVing or new to outdoor spaces, or maybe they've been RVing for a long time. And, and we definitely want to provide information to anyone who's who wants to learn more. And I think that's definitely a great area for us to explore a little bit more too, um, especially because it's it's, like you said, it's been more popular, especially the past few years. I think it's definitely something that we can do a little bit more research into as well. It's not something that I personally know a ton about, but it is something that I am interested in and we do get asked about that a lot more frequently. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think that might be a great avenue for you all. And there are large groups of RVers that gather and they do have workshops and seminars and such. Speaking as an RVer, I would love to have (laughs) you guys come and and share your vision and tips. Yeah. Well, that's sort of what this is.
1: Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) So we're starting, we're we're starting down that road. Yeah, that's right. You've kind of mentioned some ways that you do like one-on-one and digital Zoom meeting type things. So this is kind of the the dreaded question that nobody likes to answer because there's no such thing as a typical day. But (laughs) what is a typical kind of outreach day maybe? Are you in a campground talking around a a central space? Place, or are you at a booth in a festival? Yeah, that's it's definitely not a dreaded
2: question at all. Um, it's <laughs> definitely so, I, it's fine, but that's one of the best parts of my job is that, like you mentioned, I don't really have a, a typical day. So, part of what we do, a part of that traveling is doing a lot of different kinds of events. So, part of those events might look like doing, um, we don't do a, a lot of one on one, but we do have outreach events that might look like a festival. Um, We put on awareness workshops that basically talk about the essential Leave No Trace principles that we share with everyone that we encounter for events. Um, We talk about what environmental impacts look like, what causes those impacts, how those impacts can be minimized by recreational users outdoors. So because we have so many different events, our days look so different. One day (laughs) may be designated just for travel to host a program in a different state. Uh, We might be involved in a setting up a booth for a week-long climbing festival that we're involved in. We may may spend a day just setting up camp um, and taking a hike through the area just to see what it has to offer. We might even spend the day focusing on creating uh, educational blogs and educational video content for our online video library. Uh, We might be putting on an awareness workshop for college students or hosting an online effective communication workshop workshop for land managers. And we may even spend the day preparing for a two-day-long trainer course in the backcountry where we'll be training other people how to share uh, Leave No Trace. So we hardly ever have the same day or we hardly ever do the same (laughs) thing two days in a row. Um, But again, that's the exciting part of of what we do. Uh, One thing that we do strive to do every day is practice the Leave No Trace principles wherever we go and with whatever we're doing. So
1: So it sounds like you're... you you're accustomed to that group seminar type situation that Tony was talking about where you would do a presentation in front of a group of RVers because you do it in front of a group of all different kinds of groups.
2: Yes, definitely. So usually when we're working on a workshop or a trainer course, the group will be anywhere from a size of maybe nine to 30, depending on the venue and depending on the organization that we're working with and how many people that they've reached out to and how many people that we've reached out to as well. So yeah, definitely something that we're used to doing very often, um, whether it's in person or online.
1: Okay.
0: And then if somebody had maybe a group of RVers or a group that they wanted you to come and share Leave No Trace with, they would just go to lnt.org
2: Yes, they can go to lnt.org and on our website, if they do want to request a team to come to their area, they can request that online. There is also, they can reach out to us directly if they do have our contact information, but yeah, definitely lnt.org is the best place to go.
1: Okay.
0: Sounds good. Now is the, is Leave No Trace sponsored by Subaru?
2: So Leave No Trace has a, a partnership with Subaru. And so they're one of our, our sponsors. And because of Subaru, we're able to have my job position uh, where we can travel all over the U.S. and um, are able to offer a lot of different programs, awareness workshops, or be involved in outreach events.
0: And I would imagine you get to drive a Subaru.
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> so we have our Subaru Outback, and it's definitely a lifesaver <laughs> when you're on the road and we travel so many different kinds of terrains and most of our days when we're on the road, we're doing a day long road trip. So we're, traveling for like maybe six hours straight. And so it's nice to know that we have our Subaru, which is really spacious, super reliable, like very sturdy to get us through those long day trips.
0: So do you have like a rooftop tent or how do you camp with the Outback?
2: Yeah, so we have our Outback. Since we travel so often, we don't really have a like an apartment that we always go to after we're done with a certain program. So our, our Subaru Outback is kind of our home away from home. And so we have our lives in our car, basically. So all of our personal stuff, any educational, you know, material or equipment that we need for workshops, outreach events, uh, things of the like are in our Subaru. We do have a Thule, not a roof rack, but like a Thule, um, like storage container on the top of our our Subaru. So that also helps us with space. And then um, because our Subaru usually is full of all the materials that we need, we camp a lot. And so- all we need to do is make sure that we have our Subaru with everything that we need and we'll find a, a really great campground and then we'll camp alongside of our Subaru. <laughs> I think a lot of people wonder if we sleep inside the Subaru, but usually <laughs> it's full it's, of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, we've had situations, of course, where it's raining and then it's like, okay, we're going to stay in here for a little while. Yeah, but <laughs> it's usually camping outside of it. But we're our Subaru has everything, like I said, our lives in there. We even cook out of our the back of our Subaru too. So, that's awesome. How cool is that? It's definitely a fun unique experience like being able to to travel and and live out of your car, but it's it's really it's really fun like every day is is an adventure and it's definitely a conversation starter when you pull into a campsite and you have this huge Subaru that has like Leave No Trace, you know, decals all over the car. <laughs> and then people are walking by as we're, you know, bringing out our whole lives <laughs> from the backseat or, or from the, you know, from the top of the car. But we're always like grateful to share our adventures with others. So
0: that is so cool. Have you always been a camper? What, what inspired you to, to be part of the Leave No Trace team?
2: So I actually didn't grow up camping at all. Uh, the first time that I went camping, I was maybe 20 and I was in college and I went with a group of friends of mine and I didn't know what to expect, but <laughs> the campground was fairly maintained, um, clean facilities, running water. I'm um, not a whole ton of greenery, mostly like concrete areas. And it was like 10 minutes away from a nearby town, but it had beautiful views of this nearby lake. And we had gone there a couple of times after that. And then maybe the fourth or fifth time I ever went camping was maybe when I was 22 or 23. And the same group of friends invited me to go to Big Sur. And I was told we'd be camping by the beach. and So I had all this (laughs) fun beach stuff. And and then we started going up into the mountains and got a little scared. (laughs) It was definitely more of that rugged mountainous area that I've never been into, like a no cell phone reception area of Big Sur and I'd only seen people camp that way in movies. And I, I had <laughs> no idea how to actually set up a tent or why it was important to, you know, always wear long socks and what to do if you do encounter wildlife while you're out for a hike and how to safely store food and the best ways to set up an extinguished campfire. But I was lucky enough to have people with me that were very patient and shared a ton of really great knowledge with me. And being up there was just absolutely phenomenal the wildlife, the larger than life trees all around you, the peaceful creeks, the clear skies and the stars at night. And it was nothing like I'd ever experienced before. And it was so amazing. And after that, I started going on more hikes when I got back to my town in Southern California. And even when I moved abroad to South Korea, I was hiking in the mountains a few times a month. And I I feel like I fell in love with not just what nature had to offer, but just what nature was what it is and of course the more that you go outside seeking that kind of connection the more you do encounter things like trash on trails trees that have been carved into some trail erosion some polluted water sources and stuff like that and after seeing that after going outdoors it of course it kind of saddens you a little bit but I feel like it also made a fire in my heart. And I wanted to learn more about what I could do to be a steward of these beautiful places. And also what I could do to share that information with other people.
1: So were you part of starting the Leave No Trace organization?
2: Oh, I wish. In 1994, I was a bit too young. Oh, right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't one of the starters. That'd be really cool, though. That'd be a great way to start off (laughs) any kind of talk about Leave No Trace. In 1994 was when the organization became incorporated. And then in 1999 was when Subaru became a large partner with Leave No Trace. And that's when the education teams were able to start traveling a lot more and bringing a lot more of that education to diverse areas and diverse groups of outdoor users.
0: And how did you get involved? Because it seems like a kind of a dream situation, (laughs) especially based on what you've told us.
2: Yes. So I had and working in a, an office setting. And Richard was at the time too. And we were both looking for just more meaning in the work that we were doing day to day, something that we felt like was making a difference, not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people and the environment as well. And um, Richard used to be in the Peace Corps and has some Peace Corps connections and different, like, chat forms and websites that he checks from time to time. And then one of the posts on one of those uh, sites talked about being a Leave No Trace traveling team member. And it was Richard came to me. He's like, this is the job. This is it. We get to to go out and we get to see nature and we get to travel and we get to talk with people and we get to share information about how people can reduce their outdoor impact while we're outdoors. And like, it's, it's perfect. Like it's, it's everything that we wanted. And we both had a background in education and they were like they're looking for educators and like we can do that, like we know how to do that. And I was like, let's do it. Let's start the process. Let's get it done tomorrow. Like the sooner we can
1: <laughs> get this job,
2: like the better. And and since we started working with Leave No Trace, we definitely feel that purpose and in our lives and wake up every day knowing that we're doing something that's again not just gives us meaning and purpose, but also helps the world around us. And I mean, that's for us, that's that's the dream. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like the right people for the right job and that's pretty awesome yes do you have favorite places that you go now that you're a seasoned camper
2: (laughs) (laughs) as of right now like during a season we're usually going from one place around to the other but we don't get a chance to bounce back and forth like during a travel season But some of my favorite places that we've been to so far that have definitely been on the list of like, we need to go back here places (laughs) are definitely Moab, Moab, Utah. We were there for a, a weekend long climbing festival and we got to go to Arches National Park and it is just amazing. We'd spent four years in Arizona before, so we had a familiarity with that desert region, but Moab was just a whole different level. It was a different kind of desert landscape that was so breathtaking seeing all the natural arch formations and they're so large and so massive and they stretch for as far as the eye can see. And I just wanted to stay there all day (laughs) (laughs) and definitely a great spot for climbers to loved being in South Dakota. We spent about two weeks there. We were doing a, a longer program. In that area, but we had some free time, so we got there a bit early. We got to do amazing camping there in um, in the fall, and the Black Hills are just absolutely breathtaking. We were able to see bison almost every single day. <laughs> we wow. had bighorn and- sheep grazing through our campgrounds. Wow! <laughs> you wake up and there's just bighorn sheep right across the way, and you just kind of slowly ease your way you know, back into the tent because you don't want to disturb them. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, We got to see wild turkeys, again, just grazing through the campground. Every few steps you take through that area is just another aspect of beauty that it's just hard to put into words. And we were able to see the, the needle-like granite mountain formations as we went through the Needles Highway. And I mean, every day, you're just so excited to see what kind of nature you're going to be able to encounter so
1: yeah
0: yeah that we were there last year and it, it's just you're right it's just a beautiful place in so many ways yeah we love the desert too so we're we're coming to you from
2: right. Arizona, <laughs> the desert.
0: so we're out in the middle of somewhere on blm <laughs> land <laughs> have you noticed that people are being better stewards of the land or more ab- abusive or and any insights that you see as you're out, you know, experiencing this beautiful place?
2: Yeah. So I think there's definitely been a lot more people turning to the outdoors as a, as a means of, you know, recreating, as a means of exercise, sometimes just as a means of taking a break from the work from home environment. And some people that are taking to these outdoors as that means of a different Connection, they're first time outdoor users. And so they may not be aware of different aspects of recreating outdoors responsibly. And to be honest, nine out of 10 people who are recreating outdoors now aren't familiar with Leave No Trace. And that being said, it creates more opportunities for people to unknowingly have some negative impact on the outdoors. And recreational related impacts to the outdoors include, you know, impacts to wildlife. When it comes to wildlife, maybe becoming habituated to human presence and starting to seek people out for food. If people are going to animals to feeding them, it can look like impacts related to soil erosion, you know, if trails are starting to erode, impacts to vegetation, if visitors aren't aware of how sensitive some of these areas are and places that we probably don't want to recreate on. It could look like impact to, to cultural resources, you know, if visitors are just unaware of what those cultural resources are and, and, and how sensitive they are to, or even water resources, right? Like sedimentation, siltation, contamination with litter, trash, fecal waste, soap, uh, things of the like. And, and those impacts, you know, they do take a, a large toll cumulatively on an area. You know, it's not just the one person that maybe leaves a piece of trash, but it's the the 10th mm-hmm. person, the 100th person that leaves that that one piece. But it's important to know too that a lot of these impacts that are happening that are related to people, they're they're not happening because people have a malicious intent, you know, against harming the environment. Most of the time it's because people are either uninformed or misinformed about how their actions do directly influence the nature around them. And so it, it could be seen that, you know, more people coming to the outdoors means more impact, but we like to look at it as more people to the outdoors, as more opportunities to create stewards for these spaces by sharing education about minimum impact practices, um, about cultivating, you know, that outdoor ethic that will help conserve and preserve these natural yeah. areas.
0: Yeah. Another thing I just thought of, you know, with a lot of people, when you mentioned fecal matter, pets, it's important, I would assume, to clean up after your pet's even if you're out in the forest and whatnot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we totally understand the desire to bring your, your dogs out of nature with you. You know, they're your furry friends and, you know, I'm sure they love running around just as much as we do, but definitely picking up uh, fecal waste is, is important. Even if you are out in nature, um, a lot of the times the food that our dogs eat is not the same as the foods that, you know, other animals in the wild eat. So it does contain a lot of maybe chemicals from dog food, possibly depending on the kind of dog food your dog's eating, even things that may be a part of your dog's natural food diet isn't a part of the natural food diet in of animals that are in the wildlife. So even the components of their, their waste is so different and it affects the the soil differently as well. And of mm-hmm. course, if you're going out for a run, it might not be the best experience to come upon <laughs> dog waste, you know, while you're on yeah. the trail. So right. we do encourage uh, outdoor visitors to practice our Leave No Trace principle number one, which is plan ahead and prepare. And then when related to dog waste, part of that process would be something like, you know, making sure you have a just a, a bag to pick up your dog's poop and are prepared to carry it and pack it out until you can find that Proper receptacle to dispose of it later. Right. For the sake of other wildlife in that area, but also for other people too who want to enjoy that space.
0: And since you mentioned the principles of leave no trace, I'd like to invite you to share some of those with our audience because maybe I would some love to share
2: some of those with your audience. <laughs> so there are seven principles of Leave No Trace. They've been created after Leave No Trace has done a lot of research about outdoor recreation, outdoor impacts, and some of the best ways to minimize that outdoor recreational users can minimize impact. And so we have seven principles. They've been proven to be effective when it comes to helping cultivate an outdoor ethic increasing knowledge about minimum impact practices and influencing more positive behavior outdoors. So our first principle is plan ahead and prepare. And that looks different depending on what kind of activities you're involved in or the areas that you're going out to. It could look like taking the time to research to see if permits are allowed in the area that you want to recreate in even checking the weather, seeing if campfires are allowed or not allowed, or even seeing if there's bathroom facilities in the area that you're choosing to to spend the day in. That way, before you step outside, before you take that trip you've been planning, you know you have everything that you need to leave no trace when you're outdoors. Principle number two is traveling and camping on durable surfaces. When we go outside, we want to make sure that we're not traveling, hiking, biking, or camping on surfaces that are very sensitive and could be damaged by us recreating on them. Principle number three is dispose of waste properly. And that includes knowing how to dispose of different kinds of waste, like trash and litter, human or animal waste. If you're out with your pet or even disposing of gray water, which is water that you create after washing yourself out the, and when you're outdoors or even washing dishes, when you're outdoors. And since there's so many different kinds of waste, it's important to be aware of the best ways to dispose of those different kinds of wastes. Principle number four is leave what you find. When we're outdoors, it's such a beautiful place, but we also want to make sure that we're not taking anything essential out of these outdoor spaces, even things that could seem really small and maybe insignificant, like a a leaf or even a twig can actually be really essential to wildlife outdoors. You know, birds need all of those small twigs to build their nests. And even um, some deer, when they're pregnant, they get a lot of vitamins from maple leaves that are on the ground. And so they need those too. And so we want to make sure we're not taking anything essential out of those areas or even causing damage to those areas by You know, doing some activities like tree carvings, right? And some things that not a lot of people know is that the bark of a tree is really similar to our skin and it keeps out disease and infections and it protects us and it does the same for trees. And, you know, when that bark is broken, it can let in disease or infection or even keep the cells from transporting nutrients and water to different aspects of the tree. So that's also an aspect of leaving what you find when you're outdoors. And principle number five is reducing campfire impacts. We love campfires. We know that, you know, people who are visiting outdoors love campfires, too. We just want to make sure that visitors understand the best ways to set up a campfire so that it doesn't cause any soil sterilization and the best ways to extinguish those campfires as well so that it doesn't lead to wildfires in that area. And more and more than now, there's areas that are just not allowing campfires anymore. So we want to provide visitors with information related to campfire alternatives, right? So if you wanted a campfire as a source of light, you know, knowing that you can bring a lantern with you instead or... If you wanted a campfire as a source of warmth, like being prepared to bring extra layers or blankets or things of those likes of the like, so knowing how to utilize campfire alternatives is also a really great way to help minimize uh, campfire impacts outdoors. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So and and our sixth principle is respecting wildlife. So we know that that's one of the greater pulls to going to these outdoor spaces is wanting to see this wildlife but we want to make sure that we're also being respectful of the wildlife we encounter because essentially you know we're stepping into their homes and i know that i would hate if someone came over to my house and moved my furniture around and off <laughs> <laughs> my refrigerator open and ate my food and you know, left trash all over the place and then said, All right, Lauren, thanks. I'll see you next week. <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> to do it all again. And the same way we wouldn't want someone to treat our home that way. You know, we don't want to treat the home of the wildlife that we encounter that way either. Respecting wildlife also means giving them a, a safe distance, a respectable distance, so they don't feel threatened by us and that we don't impede on any of their natural behaviors, like feeling safe to look for food or feeling safe enough to go down to a watering hole. We don't want our presence to keep animals from getting their food and their shelter even taking care of their offspring as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, principle number seven, our last one is uh, be considerate to other visitors. We also want to make sure that anyone who's visiting outdoor spaces does feel welcome. Leave No Trace believes that the outdoors are for everyone and everyone should feel safe, welcome, invited to enjoy outdoor spaces. So we encourage visitors if you do see someone else you know walking along that trail or maybe wanting to camp in that general area that you're in to you know say hi to them, how are you doing? Yes, you know I want you to come enjoy nature with me and enjoy these connections that I'm out here to seek too being considerate of other visitors could also just look like if you're on the trail and you need to take a break. I know for me, when I hike, I need to take breaks sometimes, catch my some <laughs> breath, get some water, get a snack, but wanting to be considerate of other visitors while I do that would just look like something small, like moving to the side of the trail so that other people could pass me, making sure that I maybe not playing my music really loud, have my headphones in. If I do want to have a music related experience outdoors and not wanting to disturb anyone else's experience outdoors, Mm -hmm. just those kinds of things. As we're outdoors, most of the time, places we love to go are at the same place that a lot of other people want to go to. Right. Being mindful of that and that knowing that when we're outdoors, we might have other people a part of that experience and we don't want them to not feel welcome or not have that connection that they're searching for when they're out in nature too.
1: That was really well listed and (laughs) like you got those examples in there that people can really relate to and understand and just reading the principles. And I know each of them is just a few words, like respect the animals. Like people are like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know, right. how do I do that? So that's great <laughs> synopsis, getting those examples in there that really make sense to people. Like, you know, you wouldn't want someone invading your home.
0: You mean I can't pet the bison? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, right. Even though it might seem tempting, but I think
2: and that's, that's part of what Leave No Trace wants to do is understanding that Outdoor impacts are not caused because people want to cause damage. It's not caused because people want to disturb the wildlife that they see. They're not happening because people want to cause pollution to these spaces, but because some people just may not know. Don't understand. Right. And so it's one thing, like you said, to say, here are the principles, but someone might say, I don't know what it means to respect wildlife. Right. I was camping for the first time in my twenties. And I was, I thought, I don't, I don't know how to set up a campfire. I don't know what minimizing. I didn't know what minimizing campfire impacts meant. Yeah. wanting camping for the first time so taking the time to explain and, and really cater to those new visitors to the outdoors so that they feel equipped and feel comfortable going outdoors and and hopefully also feel inspired to to be stewards of these places too when they go outside yes
0: well lauren we have just really absolutely enjoyed having you yes. as our guest and you have great information we would like to encourage if you have a gathering of campers to see if perhaps you guys can come and share this really great information
1: i would absolutely love to do that i want to try and hook lauren up with some of the group organizers that i know so that we can actually meet her in person when we go to one of those events that she's at (laughs) yeah
0: i'd be terrific
1: yes that
2: would be fantastic and we love networking with different organizations who want to learn more. And anytime we get the chance to share Leave No Trace information with anyone, whether they're an outdoor expert and or an, an outdoor novice, whether they're a hiker, a biker, a camper, or someone who's just curious about what it means to leave no trace outdoors. It's an opportunity where we feel like we can give back and and help keep the places that we love intact for wildlife for nature and for other users as well
0: sounds great that's a fantastic fantastic thing that you're doing and we agree wholeheartedly and and really look forward to helping further the mission because yes. we like it when we go outdoors and it looks like the Very outdoors true. rather than a garbage dump.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. And we definitely like that too. And we want to do what, what we can to provide as much information that, that we can give to others about keeping the, the spaces that we love intact. So thank you so much again for having me. This has been such a wonderful experience. for me It has well. been
1: great for us too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lauren, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. We love being part of the largest club of RVers with events, rallies, tours, resources and more. And you can be too.
0: That's the FMCA and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. Now any RVer can join the FMCA and enjoy their fantastic benefits.
1: Yeah, like chapters where people of common interest gather and go on outings and adventures together. It's a great way to meet other RVers who share your interest or location.
0: But there are other great resources too, like a beautiful magazine, forums videos, tutorials, and so much more.
1: And don't forget the incredible programs like Medical Assist, where the FMCA is there for you in the event of a medical emergency on the road.
0: Yes, and we signed up for the FMCA's Roadside Assistance, which specializes in RVs and offers towing to the nearest qualified repair facility, no matter how many miles away it is. It's a great optional program that's been part of the FMCA for years.
1: Plus, of course, we've got a good deal for you new members can save ten dollars on an fmca membership we've got the details and more information on this terrific organization on our discounts and deals page at stresslesscamping.com
0: join us and other rv enthusiasts at an upcoming rally or gathering and save money in the process now Now that's stressless Stressless camping
1: Camping. hey i wanted to shout out a thank you to joe joe v when our podcast hosts a week or two ago Updated. (laughs) And we all know that updates are always completely and 100% better than before, right? always. (laughs) Well, it took us a little bit of time to actually figure it out. And we've switched over to the new version of the podcast host software. But there were some things that didn't switch over as well. And Joe emailed us and let us know that he couldn't download the episode anymore. Which he likes to do so that he can listen to it offline. And so thank you, Joe, for letting us know that and getting us back in there. And I think now it looks different from from your end, but I think everything that you could do with the episode before, you can do with it now. And we're talking about the way it looks and acts on our website.
0: Yeah. If you're subscribing on, on your phone or tablet or whatever you shouldn't notice yeah, anything. There difference. should be no difference to you whatsoever. But that's what I thought, you know, the as usual software upgrade. Woohoo. Does that mean new features? <laughs> no, not at all. Does that mean that they've buried features that were really awesome? Absolutely. Uh-huh. So from our standpoint, it wasn't as good.
1: Right. But maybe it's better now that we figured all those parts out. But not it really? Just, no. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> it I it seems remember the, the f- same to
0: me. Yeah, the first few days, I couldn't even get in. I said some words my mama told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> software updates, gotta love it, right? Yeah. Ooh, new and improved, and it's new, but uh, anyway. I don't know about improving. Enough whining about software.
1: Oh, okay, but tell us about what's new and improved in the RV world. Well,
0: as you may have read, if you follow my column over on RVtravel.com, I write a daily RV review and... Airstream introduced a thing called the E-Stream, and what the E-Stream is, is it is an all-electric trailer that also uses technology licensed from a company called ZF in Germany, and it's got electric drive motors, so it literally overcomes all the losses inherent in towing a trailer. So, you know, when you hook up a trailer to your vehicle, you get terrible gas mileage and there's other losses too and you have to put a weight distribution hitch on and, and on on and on, right? With this EStream, which is a prototype, and as the head of Airstream told me, we flung every technology we could at this just to test it out. So he actually admitted, Bob said, this is not likely what's going to actually hit the market, but it is for us to test all these different systems. Among other things, this thing with its two electric motors can overcome the losses of a trailer. So let's say you have a pickup truck and you get 18 miles to a gallon on the highway. When you're not towing, well, you'll still get 18 miles to a gallon because the trailer will be pulling its own weight, so to speak. But then those two electric motors have other features, like you can use an app on your phone or on your tablet and actually control the trailer and back it into a campsite. Mm -hmm. One of the things they also said was they want to overcome a lot of the pain points of a travel trailer. And we all, you know, as much as Peggy and I like travel trailers, yeah, hooking up is not fun. Backing in is not fun.
1: Especially for some people. Right,
0: I mean, some people, it's easier than others. So this thing can, you can use an app to back the thing into a site or if you have a tight place where you store it. Uh, Those electric motors also serve the purpose of acting as an anti-theft device. So you can lock those motors and then the trailer can't be hauled away. Another thing is they, with the technology on the trailer, it acts as stability control. So you won't need weight distribution bars or anything like that the trailer will act as its own stability control, just like any modern car now has stability control built into it. Well, they've added that to the trailer too. It's got two giant 40 kilowatt hour lithium batteries. And because of that, it's also got 900 watts of solar on the roof, which, wow. But (laughs) the way they've accomplished the 900 watts of solar is there's no air conditioner, no vents, none of that stuff on the roof. So they've made the whole thing cleaner on the top. So the air conditioner is one of those air conditioners that's under the bed in this prototype. And again, a lot of this stuff may not actually see production, but it is interesting to see what they're playing with and testing. So it was really great to speak with Bob Wheeler. And I also talked to McKay Featherstone, who's the head of development for Airstream. And they really have a nifty package here. Of course, it's like I say, today it's pie in the sky, but it points to things that actually work. I mean, they've been testing this thing and, and it works well. In fact, the ZF, which makes a lot of automotive components, in Germany, they actually took their version of this trailer and drove it over the Alps with an Audi e-tron, which is an electric SUV. And of course, going up the hills, they consumed a lot of battery, right? I mean, you're using all this energy to overcome gravity as it were, and frictional losses and all that. But coming down the Alps, they can use what's called regenerative braking, which actually uses the electric motors to put power back into the trailer. And they found at the bottom of the Alps, they actually were at full charge. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. so it's it's just neat i like to see these companies playing with the new technology i have a conference call on friday with the kind folks at lippert about their electric trailer chassis too so
1: we'll have more
0: on that and yes i said moron
1: <laughs> again <laughs> yeah
0: that's two morons in one podcast
1: oh hey wait a minute yeah, I'm not remark? sure I like the sound of that. What are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so we got a okay. gadget. So, yeah. So someone who's not a moron is Tony. <laughs> which I don't know well, how I that, know. that, that makes me the two morons <laughs> <laughs> episode. But a while back, Tony had this brilliant idea for when we're boondocking and we can't fill our water, fresh water tank he got some collapsible containers that are easy to store in the camper and a water pump. And when we need to, we can fill those containers and then bring them over to the trailer and then pump the water into our fresh tank.
0: Yeah, it's slick because these little, and we we'll, we have an article about it on Stressless Camping, but they're collapsible plastic bags and they're, what, two gallons a piece, I think?
1: yeah so they're
0: very portable right and so we then just use this we always have the electric drill because uh we use it for our stabilizer jacks
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so i'm like hey,
1: <laughs> and your blender and our blender <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> by the way somebody said that that blender is dangerous because the glass in a and one of those ball jars is not meant for that kind of like shaking oh, around I bet
1: that's probably true
0: Probably. I'm still going to keep doing it because, you know.
1: Great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, you just pump the water. The the little portable bags are very transportable because, what is it, 8 pounds? A day? It's like 16 pounds a bag. It's a nifty gadget. Yeah. And if you do a lot of boondocking, this certainly is a cool way to make it happen. Indeed. Overcome the water loss. And we already did that Fetford Titan tote. So that's how you take care of the water coming out, right, the gray water.
1: Right, Or the Lavea waterless toilet so you don't have yeah. to worry about all that. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> well, that's for the other tank.
1: But you don't need water to go in either.
0: That's true. You don't need any water.
1: Phew. Oh, boondocking. Yay. Yeah,
0: I know, right? So okay, awesome. Okay,
1: so what I wanted to remind you in terms of Well, we kind of try to remind you about little maintenance things, and this is sort of a maintenance thing, but especially for people who have had their trailers or their RVs sitting for a while now, before you get ready to head out on your first trip, make sure, of course, you go through your whole checklist, but one of the important things is to make sure that your tires are still in good shape.
0: Yeah, and check the inflation pressure.
1: Always check the inflation pressure. If you've been driving... For a day or two, and you stop before you get on the road in the morning, check them again. You can't check tires too often.
0: No, that's true. (laughs) We actually had a really good episode of tire safety with Ron Henegar of Goodyear. Mm -hmm. So we'll put a link to that episode as well. Right,
1: And we wrote a list of tire safety tips. So we'll put that link as well. So last week we wanted to know if you could change one thing about your camp setup, and I'm not going to say RV because some of you are tent campers or car campers or whatever. What would you change in your setup? And we got a lot of answers. It was a fun conversation. And I can't even narrow it down to one or two things. There were a lot of different things. <laughs>
0: yeah, lots <laughs> of stuff. You know, it's stuff. not like
1: everybody said the same thing. A lot of uh, several people said they wanted more storage and more kitchen counter. Which, don't we all? Yeah, I don't think anyone don't, would yeah, argue I that. I don't think
0: that there's nobody ever... would
1: say no. Do not give me more kitchen counter. Well, maybe, because maybe that's their excuse for not having to cook.
0: <laughs> oh, or storage. I don't think there's ever been an RV where it's like, no, no, I. This that's, is too much no, storage. This is too much storage. <laughs>
1: couple people wanted a new tow vehicle yeah many people wanted a lot more time to camp and I'm, i i wish that we could help with that in some way and yeah. i just i don't even i can't even think of a podcast episode though we could lead you to for that <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people are looking to put in some solar which is awesome there was a lot of bed talk and you know some people said they didn't want the murphy bed anymore A lot of people said they'd rather have a walk-around bed or a twin bed so they could get to the bed easier or probably make the bed easier. But Shannon actually wishes she could go back to the east-west bed. Really? And I admit that it does take up less space in the RV. Yeah. But it's just a little bit harder for me to get in and out of bed if someone is in the way or whatever, so... Yeah. Oh, I should have said when, with more storage and more kitchen counter, larger tanks also. Oh,
0: right. That's the other thing. Like, now I think we've really overcome the energy side of things right i mean with solar and batteries they've gotten so good
1: yeah Yeah. now they need to start working on making those tanks usable for more than three days yeah (laughs) and we do have a really small lightweight trailer so the smaller and the more lightweight your trailer or your rv is the smaller your tanks are going to be to make up for that yep so adam listed a whole bunch of things that he wanted and I thought, what, is he not happy with his RV? But what happened was that Adam and Joanne went full-time recently, oh, and their little travel right. trailer isn't really big enough for living full-time. So they are actually shopping for a bigger unit. I think they found the one they like, and congratulations to you guys.
0: Yeah. So uh, we had Adam and Joanne on our podcast, what, two weeks
1: ago? Two or three, two or three, three, I guess, because yeah. the last two weeks were so. Three, Sia. Yeah, they talked about healthy living and eating.
0: Yeah, we got to meet Adam and Joanne, too, in person. in
1: Quartzsite. That was really awesome. Yeah,
0: it was, and they look fantastic, of course. They do,
1: indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, kind of along the same lines of, you know, what your RV looks like, I guess, is what is your best or favorite decoration or thing that you've done to your RV that... Makes it uniquely you. Uh-huh. I want pictures. I want to look at people's stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: their setups. Because we are, again, I'm, we'll we'll tell you more later. But. We are on the precipice, as it, might it were. Might be
1: time for some decorating tips from you all.
0: Right. <laughs> By the way, completely unrelated and not in the notes. Okay. We, we make notes. Peggy does a great job of making notes for these shows because I, I am very easily distracted. <laughs> I have got squirrel syndrome or shiny ball syndrome or whatever you want to call it. Apparently, I got he it has back. it now. Because... I have it now. A few of you have asked what Is up with our vintage trailer. Right. We have a 1970 Aristocrat also that we are in the process of restoring. Well, we are in the process of restoring it. We took the winter cover off it yesterday. Yep. And we started knocking it out. And we're going to do video of the process of restoring that. So, our first. challenge might be we found a water leak that we didn't know was there yeah and we are going to yank the horrible horrible toilet out of that we'll let you know we'll post links when the videos are available but we will start working on that trailer now actually like as soon as this we're done afternoon recording.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i want to get out there and work on it yeah, I'm excited. yeah lots to do <laughs> so
0: anyway so those of you who've asked about the, the, the aristocrat, aristocrat Well, it's. uh, Stay tuned. Yeah, we're going to start working on it now.
1: All right. So, as you know, you can go to our Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group.
0: Oh, my word.
1: To ask, I mean, to answer the questions (laughs) of the week or to ask questions (laughs) of your own. Why not? Anybody can ask a question and see what kind of answers come up, but but please, you know, continue to answer those questions and show me your decorations because you're like my own personal Pinterest, I guess.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> Hey, and we also do a once a week newsletter and it's absolutely free. It's got links to the stories, video podcasts, and all of that, uh, including things from other people, not just our stuff, but we never would share your email address with anybody. And of course it's completely free.
1: And we just send it out once a week and it reminds you about the podcast and gives you other news that we have found throughout the week. Also on our website, don't forget that we have a Deals and Discounts page for the best deals on things you'll need for your stressless camping adventure.
0: Yeah, if you've got a great deal for our audience, also let us know. If it's something we really like, we will share that. We carefully vet those products because it's stuff that we either really, really want or really, really like.
1: (laughs) Right. And then after you're done signing up for the newsletter and checking out the discounts and deals, then you're allowed to jump off to the other social (laughs) places (laughs) at the top right You'll see all those blue logos for all the of the social places that you can find us. But start at StresslessCamping.com and that's where you'll find all that stuff. Yeah,
0: including our Facebook group. That's linked up there. And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast. It's free! <laughs> to subscribe on any podcast app. We're, We're saving
1: s- you a seat around our <laughs> virtual campfire. It's a silly place to be.
0: <laughs> and of course, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify will help others find this podcast
1: and more listeners means more great guests that we can get to help you learn about stressless camping
0: absolutely and with that we really appreciate your being here once again this week thank you so much and most of all happy camping We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless Camping Adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode
1: of the Stress Camp... Ooh!